Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Chief, Chief McClellan, how's everything going? Oh, things aren't going too bad. Men are taking it pretty good. Chief, do you think we'll be able to defeat these things? Well, we killed 19 of them today right in this area. Those last three we caught trying to claw their way into an abandoned shed. They must have thought somebody was in there. We heard them making all kind of noise. We came over and beat them off, blasted them down. Chief, uh, if I were surrounded by six or eight of these things, would I stand a chance with them? Well, there's no problem. If you had a gun, shoot them in the head. That's a sure way to kill them. If you don't, get yourself a club or a torch. Beat them or burn them. They go up pretty easy. Well, Chief McClellan, how long do you think it will take you until you get the situation under control? Well, that's pretty hard to say. We don't know how many of them there are. We know when we find them, we can kill them. Are they slow-moving, Chief? Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. And with that, uh, Mr. George A. Romero pretty much set the scene for all zombie movies to follow. Thanks for tuning in. This is Stuff You Should Know. I'm Josh Clark. This is Charles W. Brain Eater Bryant. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. Yeah. Thanks, Chuck. Sure. Somebody had to say it, right? Yes. So how are you doing? Try to get one of those zombies to say it. That'd be pretty cool. I'm still wet. It's still raining in Atlanta. Good Lord. I feel like we have... Uh, remember that picture of the supercell I printed out mm-hmm. for the webcast? I feel you like one of those picture. is hovering over you, the you, perimeter you of Atlanta. You carry that picture in your wallet with you and I show it to people like it's your kid. <laughs> Did you know that in, I believe, Ecuador, um, once a year... There's a heavy storm, and after about two hours, the storm subsides, and everybody goes out, and there's fish, dead yeah. fish laying everywhere. Well, some still alive. The rain of fishes. The weird thing is is that they aren't found in any surrounding body of water, Crazy. nor are they saltwater fish. Crazy. They are blind. blind underground dwellers. Yeah. Zombie fish. Z- well, yeah. Let's use that as our segue. Cool. Chuck, let's talk zombies. Alrighty, let's let's go with the the real stuff first. Did you know that there may be such a thing as real zombie? Yeah, I didn't know until I read this. And where are you going to go if you want to find a real zombie? You go to the source, man. You go to the horse's mouth. You go to Haiti. Yes, is that well, that was Serpent in the Rainbow, right? Yeah. What was that? Nineteen eighty-seven. Yeah. Wes Craven flick. Mid high school for me. Very scary. Bill Pullman. Uh huh. Yeah. And the weird thing is, is you know, Wes Craven's not known for making um, movies based on true stories, but that one was sort based of, on yeah. one of my heroes, the ethnobotanist and anthropologist Dr. Wade Davis. Yeah. Who is a uh, Harvard grad? I think he has his doctorate and two uh, bachelors from Harvard. Two more than me. Right. Yeah. And. Um, he went down to Haiti in the early 1980s for what was called the Zombie Project. Yes, because of uh, a certain a certain man drew his attention, right? Yeah. How do you pronounce that? Cler- uh, Clervius Narcisse? Yeah, that's how I pronounce it. Yeah, he, he, he started poking his head around in 1980 in a Haitian village and said, Hey, I uh, died 18 years ago. Yep, and uh, apparently his the, the similarity to... Um, his his original self, sure, uh, and the the facts that he knew about his former life, yeah, passed a battery of test uh, questions, yeah, or that was enough to make the uh, make his friends, family, uh, I, I guess the estimates about two hundred people who saw him say that guy's a zombie, right? And uh, he claimed a bokor brought him back to life or brought him back to the undead state, 
Right, Chuck. So Clairvius shows up in 1980. He'd been he, the thing that makes him significant is that he had been pronounced dead by American doctors who apparently carry more weight in the field of medicine and science. Right. It was documented. That, yeah, they documented his death. Sure. Um, so when he showed up in 1980, he, he presented a substantial case for the existence of zombies. Um, and a guy named uh, Dr. Lamarck Duan, uh, wh- who's a Haitian psychiatrist, interviewed him, uh-huh. started interviewing Bocor, um, and got his hands on some zombie powders. Right. And then entered Dr. Wade Davis. Right. Now, he wasn't the guy they originally said to go get these powders, right? No, that was Nathan Klein. Right. He, he uh, wanted some of these powders to see if they could be used as anesthetics in surgery. Yeah, which I don't get that. Why not just use anesthetic? <laughs> Unless, I guess he found some, like, cheaper, uh, safer maybe anesthetic. Sure. Well, I mean, if you come up with your own anesthetic, I imagine there's some dollar amount attached to that. That's true. So let's talk about this. He sends Dr. Davis down to Haiti, mm-hmm. and Dr. Davis kind of takes up where Dr. Duan um, left off or maybe kind of takes over his research. And uh, he himself interviews Bokor, uh, which are, again, those voodoo priests, and right. uh, interviews some of the zombies, some of these undead people. Uh, right. That's what they said in return. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he uh, he comes to find that he concludes that there is, in fact, such a thing as zombies. Right. They're specific to Haiti, though, as far as he can tell. Sure. And it's it's a two-step process, Chuck. Uh, and how to make someone a zombie? Mm-hmm. Well, first they have to die, I would think. No. Or is that a three-step process? <laughs> no. I thought zombies had to be dead first. We're talking Haitian zombies. We'll get to the Hollywood zombies soon. Okay. Well, the, the Bocor has to capture their, uh, their soul. What's that? T-Bon Ange? Sure. Is that, I suppose it's French, right? Yeah. Uh, that's a, apparently the part of the soul directly connected to the individual. And once he steal, captures that, they are a zombie. Right. With that's, their... that's Haitian folklore. Yeah, sure. Dr. Davis, being a scientist, tried to get beyond that. He, he found that most Haitians, most educated Haitians, we should say, uh, and those uh, who live in the city, don't tend to believe in zombieism. Right, even though it's part of law. It is. There's a, interesting. Uh, what, back to 1835, right? Yeah, Article 246 of the Haitian Penal Code basically says that you can't make someone a zombie. <laughs> right. That you'll be charged with attempted murder or murder if the person actually manages to get buried, even if they're not dead yet. For right. all intents and purposes, it's still considered murder under Haitian law. Thank God. So, okay, so Dr. Davis gets past this um, This belief that's mainly held by rural, uneducated, poor Haitians. Right. That uh, the Bokor are um, capable of sorcery and right. can steal your soul. What do they get out of this? That's what I could never peg. Is it? Is there some money on the back end or something? No. No. There's precisely no money involved, and it's not for any personal gain. Their status as a Bokor? No. What it is is there is a secret Haitian society called Bazango. The Freemasons? No, they're not the Freemasons, oh. but they might as well be. Okay. Basically, this is the group that de facto runs the country. Okay. Um, supposedly. Okay. But I mean, this is this is documented. This is from Davis's research. Right. Um, so the Bazango, uh, there are are not necessarily voodoo priests, but there are voodoo priests who are part of the Bazango. Mm-hmm. And zombification is only used in cases of punishment. Where uh, okay. a member of the Bazango, say a family member, gotcha, has gone against the will 
of his or her family uh-huh. or the will of the Bazango community as, as a whole. It's just a severe punishment. So you would have been zombified in our House Stuff works, uh, works culture. Over and over, over again. Over and again. Over again. And actually, um, uh, Clervius? Yes. Clervius Narcisse said that he was zombified because he, at, at the uh, behest of his brothers. Gotcha. Uh, because he wouldn't go along in, in selling uh, the family land with them. Right. Another uh, documented zombie named T. Femme, she's a woman. She said that she was zombified by her at, at the by the will of her family mm-hmm. because she refused to marry the man they wanted her to marry, and she had a baby by another man. Oh. So generally, it's retaliation, it's punishment for transgressions against Bazango society or a person's family who is a member that is a member of Bazango society. Yeah, there's got to be a little money on the back end for the old. You would court. think so, but <laughs> Davis was adamant in his research that th- that's not the case, right? Right. So, okay, so let's get to how you make somebody a zombie. Well, you got the powder, right? You have the powder, the and magic powder. What What Davis found was that this powder. He took, I think, eight samples, and found that seven of them had uh, some. Ingredients in common, right, Chuck? Yeah, let me go over those. Yeah. He found the pufferfish, which uh, contains a deadly neurotoxin called tetrodotoxin. Mm-hmm. Found a marine toad, uh, which also has a bunch of uh, toxins, numerous toxins. Yeah, you don't want to lick this. Don't want to lick that one. Uh, a hyla tree frog, uh, which secretes an irritating but not deadly substance. Uh, some human remains were in all of these. Those were right. the common ingredients. And then things like... Uh, Skin irritants, they figured like spiders and lizards ground up in there mm-hmm. would irritate your skin. Same with the uh, Hyla tree frog. So basically the reason you would want to have a skin irritant is because the zombie powder is traditionally applied on the skin. Sure, it's topical. Right, exactly. So <laughs> so what happens is it's applied to the skin and it creates um, cracks and, and breaks yeah. in the skin. Imagine you And then it, it, it seeps in through there, yeah. right? Gross. Um and then it produces this zombified person. Basically, you you start to have trouble breathing. Uh-huh. Um, Don't you, respond to stimuli. No, you become paralyzed. You have a glassy-eyed stare. Right. But you're 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 still maintaining uh, your normal mental state. You're still aware of what's going on. You just can't do anything. Right. Like serpent in the rainbow. Exactly. You know you're getting buried alive and having the sheet pulled over you. Right. That's actually what uh, Narcisse said. He said that he remembered. Um, and saw the doctors pulling the sheet over his head after they pronounced him dead. I wonder if they asked him what that felt like. How was that for you? He, I imagine it probably wasn't very good, right? Yeah, creepy so, moment. Right. So, uh, yeah, so you you know what's going on. You just can't you can't do anything about it. And this struck Davis um, as particularly interesting because what is it, Chuck, the tetrodotoxin? Uh-huh. Davis started researching, and he found that in Japan there's this stuff um, called fugu, Right, which is a kind of um, sushi delicacy that's made from the pufferfish. It's very dangerous, but it, it apparently tastes like a Twinkie, right? Nice, yeah, <laughs> um, a raw Twinkie. Ooh, um, but if you if you make the cut wrong and too much of this tetrodotoxin ends up in it, you get po- you're poisoned. And the symptoms were virtually the same as what people who are zombified reported. Right, right. that's awesome. Should we trust our sushi chef and order some up? I, I guess. Okay. I imagine that with fugu, you get what you pay for. You don't want yeah. to cheap out with fugu. You don't want to go dollar sushi on the fugu. So that's step one. You administer the zombie powder, uh-huh. and then the person uh, is pronounced dead. Yeah, you the, bury them. Then you go get them. Well, that's, that's, that's the uh, 
the revelation moment. That's what makes the Bokor look like they've done their thing. Nice is, reference to our um, brainwashing podcast. Ah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, and I love the back door there for the Bokor. If it doesn't work, there's a little loophole where he says that um, if the procedure doesn't work, that divine intervention can always prevent this from happening. Right. So anytime it doesn't work, that's his go-to. Or if um, if the powder is prepared to kill too strongly. Right. Right? So you've got Oops. somebody. <laughs> right, exactly. It's like, well, hey, it didn't work this time. Uh, and plus, anyway, if once you've administered the zombie powder, I guess under Haitian law, you're yeah. in for a penny, in for a pound anyway, right? Sure. Um, so that's step one, right, Chuck? Yes. You've zombified the person. Step two is to get to their grave within about eight hours. Right. And you exhume them. Mm-hmm. And when you do, you feed them something called a zombie cucumber. Was that the salt? No, you don't want to feed them salt. That oh, restores right. their senses. Right, right, right. The zombie cucumber is a, a combination of sweet potato uh-huh. and um, datura. That sounds nice. Jimson weed, which is one of the more hallucinogenic uh, plants available to man. That sounds real nice. Yeah. So when you've got somebody who's already like half paralyzed and, and has been buried, that's a pretty traumatic experience, right, Chuck? I would imagine. Yeah. So the next step is to feed them a highly hallucinogenic concoction. Sure. And watch them go. Right. So uh, that's step two of creating a zombie. What Davis came up with was that none of this would work, Chuck, unless you were in Haiti. Because all of it had this social support for a belief that zombies can exist. Yeah, the culture. So once it. once you've gone through this process, mm-hmm. it, you, you're you know you're not an American thinking about oh I'm a zombie. Right. Uh, as Tracy Wilson put it in her How Zombies Work article that we're basing this on, she said um, you know in another culture if you have tetrodotoxin, tetrodotoxin poisoning, <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. you're just a, a toxin poisoning victim. Right. But in Haiti, because of this uh, belief among some people sure. that there is such a thing as zombies, that supports the experience. And all of a sudden, this person is spending X number of years as basically a zombie slave. Right. Like uh, snake handlers. Sure. Most people would think you're just a redneck that got bit by a snake. <laughs> and uh, they think that, you know, it was all divine. Right. Yeah. That's actually very much the same. Nice one, Chuck. I just pulled that one out of my uh, keister. That, that was great. <laughs> it smells delicious. Thanks. So uh, a lot of people, do you want to get to where people think Davis wasn't exactly on the level? Sure. On all levels? Yeah. Because it all sounded good until the, the article turned a little bit and said, no, not quite. Well, yeah. It, it definitely depends on where you're coming from. But there's a tremendous amount of criticism for somebody like Davis who's saying, yeah, zombies exist. Right. Because uh, one thing he did, which you mentioned, was dig up bodies or supervise the digging up of well, bodies. Well, he was there at he least. He was there. And um, a lot of scientists didn't like that. No, I thought that, that kind of goes some, against the code of ethics somewhere. Yeah, crossed a boundary, and I think I might agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, they also questioned uh, the initial experiments with the powder and if they were scientific enough, because he, he practiced these on, like, monkeys and rats when he got back to the States, right? Yeah, he made zombie rats. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So they questioned the initial experiments. Um, they didn't know, like, you know, if he had added anything else to the powder. I guess he says he didn't, but they weren't there to witness that, so they questioned that. Right. What else? Um, oh, yeah, this one I found odd. They found samples contained no tetrodotoxin. Yeah, and he said that you guys are putting it in some sort of solvent to, to carry out these tests, so sure. you may have destroyed it. Yeah, um, it's a little iffy, though. Maybe. The, 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 I think one of the big, um, the big points about this in Davis's defense is that his uh, 
reputation academically is still very much intact years after this. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he published two books on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Serpent and the Rainbow came out, and he survived that. Right. I can't imagine that made him look, you know, yeah, that's true. really good among his academic peers. And this guy's still, you know, um, doing more and more research. He's a National Geographic Explorer in Residence, which, as you know, I think is one of the coolest things ever. Yes. Um, so his reputation's still intact, and he's still a respected ethnobotanist and anthropologist. Um, a- another point that people made, though, Chuck, was that a lot of these people um, who were supposedly zombies uh-huh. uh, were chalked up to mistaken identity, yeah. cases of mental illness. Exactly. Kind of like Jerusalem syndrome. If you live in Jerusalem, right. you're going to have a much higher tendency of believing that you're you know, a reincarnated saint or, or prophet. Than if you live, in, if Detroit. You live in, in Detroit. Exactly. Right. What were you going to say? In Denver. Okay. Yeah. I'm really? glad you said Detroit, though. Are we moving on to Denver now? Maybe. All right. Yeah. Um, Go west, young man. So, Chuck, that's yes. the Haitian zombie. The real, quote unquote, real zombie. We should say, as far as I could turn up, there's no one who um, satisfactorily debunked uh, Clairvius Narcissus' story. Right. And also, I should also say that. Um, at no point did Davis say that these people were dead in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, or that They were strictly poisoned mm-hmm. by the specific toxin that brought them, that lowered their vital signs. They were pronounced dead, and then they were revived by uh, Datura. Right. And then believed that they were zombies, yeah. but that they were not dead and brought back to life. So those are real zombies. Let's do fake zombies. The That started, not started, but very much kick-started with George Romero's classic that we played earlier, Night of the Living Dead. Marines. Oh, did you hear that? Yeah. That was our uh, that was our <laughs> colleague Chris Paulette. Did you hear that? Uh-huh. Brains. I was going to do that, but I didn't. Apparently, Jerry said Chris nails it, so. Yeah, he there does. You, there you have Can't it. Can you tell? Brains. Right. That's, that's pretty good, too, Chuck. Nah. Uh, yeah, so Romero starts the whole thing off. Basically, he comes up with all the rules of the game, like we heard at the beginning of this podcast. Right. Actually, Tracy did say that movies as early as 1919 had zombies, so save your fingers on the keyboard from typing in. (laughs) No, no, no. He wasn't the first. Nice one, But he definitely brought it into the mainstream. And and zombie movies forever after were based on, like you said, his world and his rules. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, he was the one that uh, said, "If if you can destroy a zombie's brain... Or detach its brain from the rest of its body. That's it for the zombie. Everybody knows if you want to kill a zombie, you got to cut their head off, basically. That's Romero. Or blow their head off with a, you know, a gun. I should tell you that our colleague and sometimes uh, stand-in producer Matt Frederick uh, got really excited when he found out we were doing a podcast on zombies. Oh, really? He thinks that a Remington pump-action shotgun is the best weapon to have against a zombie. I would say that. In one hand, and a samurai sword in another would be pretty cool. You'd be doing well for yourself. I'm more a battle axe man myself. Although, that, uh, were you going to talk about the Canadian mathematician study? Eventually. Okay. We don't stand a chance if there's a real zombie attack, dude. Well, it depends on what we do. Let's talk about that, Chuck. Yeah, this we might is the well. one with Robert Smith. Oh, yeah, with a question mark name? <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. The guy has a question mark at the end of his name. Robert, Robert Smith and yeah. one of his colleagues, uh, both mathematicians at the University of Ottawa, uh-huh. they used um, 
uh, contagious disease models. Yeah, pandemic models yeah. to T- study out the math of whether or not we could actually survive a zombie attack, a slow-moving zombie S- attack. Yes, they specifically picked the, the classic slow-moving right. zombie. And they still found that unless humans strike fast, strike often, and, and strike increasingly <laughs> escalatingly, yeah. um, we're in big trouble. Right. So the, you can't do the... Uh, Oh geez, we got to learn a humanitarian way to put these uh, zombies down, like District Nine. You can't no. do it. You got to go in he hard. Said, don't even bother trying kill. to figure out how to uh, how to cure it. You just have to kill everybody you find. Exactly. Um, and that that was another thing that Romero established with Night of the Living Dead was that zombies beget zombies, right? Yeah. Sure. In his version, what happened was a zombie was uh, somebody who was killed by a zombie was brought back because of this radiation. Right. Uh, from a satellite that had returned to Earth that was causing the dead to rise in the first place. So if you were killed while that radiation was still around, you were inevitably going to come back. Yeah. And also, did you know that George Romero got his start shooting segments for Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? I think I did know that. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he also established some other rules about their strength. They're very strong. Yeah. But typically slow moving, although they're have been movie offshoots with the, the fast-moving zombie, of course. It depends. Well, if they're fast or slow. Well, it de- like 28 Days Later is technically not a zombie movie because no, no one zombies. who is, zom- is a zombie is right. actually dead. No, they're infected by that whatever that was, that disease. Yeah. The infection. Yeah, I don't remember what it's called. But there are some other fast-moving zombies I've seen in other movies. Resident Evil, the game. Uh-huh. They had some herky-jerky fast-moving zombies, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, Matt Frederick thinks uh, is the perfect zombie um, motion. He, what, herky-jerky? Herky-jerky, whatever is in Resident Evil, he's hip with. Oh, okay. Because he said that's where uh, the uh, pump shotgun right. is found I like the slow well. movers. Yeah, the I classic, mean, they're a lot more, they're a lot more comfortingly. Yeah. But it, it was always funny to me to watch those movies and think you're all faster than the zombies. Yeah, How could you ever get caught? Briskly. But you get surrounded. That's what happens. Surrounded is the big problem. Well, are we going to get into that? How to avoid getting eaten by a zombie? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, we should we should wrap up the rules first. They're not uh, they're impervious to pain. Yeah. Like you can hit them in the face with a baseball bat and they'll just uh, keep lumbering forward. Yeah. Um, so you really have to um, cut their head off. You can you cut their do, arm or, off, and they'll walk with two one arm. They'll cut a leg off, and they'll hop at you. Oh, yeah. Their arm will come at you, all yeah. uh, um, Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, or uh, Evil Dead. Yes. Two. Dead by Dawn. Dead by Dawn. You will he... be dead by Dawn. <laughs> and they are driven to eat, relentlessly driven to eat. They're afraid of fire and light. Mm-hmm. So they'll come out at night. They want to eat your brain. That actually uh, came later. That yeah, was that's true. largely that's not uh, Return of the Living Dead from 1985, where they actually have a zombie pinned down, and it's just this woman's torso and arms and head. And um, this medical examiner, doctor, um, says, Why do you eat humans? She goes, Not humans, brains. <laughs> that's the clip you sent me today? Let's hear Paulette do it again. Brains. Nice. Thank you, Paulette. So good. Um, yeah, that was that clip I, I sent you. That was awesome. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what else, Chuck? Are there any more? How are zombies created? In, uh, Romero's version, it was, uh, radiation. Right. From a satellite, returning satellite. Yeah. In Night of the Comet, it was a comet. 
Uh, and 28 Days Later, if you want to consider that a zombie movie, and Resident Evil, uh-huh. it was a virus that was passed around. I love Night of the Comet, by the way. I just want to go on record. Yeah. I love that movie. That was a good movie. Well, it's it's off. It's very dated and kind of very awful 80s movie, but for it the time period. It was dated the second it came out. <laughs> it was, but it was, it was really, yeah. for a 13-year-old, you know, watching HBO on a Saturday afternoon, it was pretty perfect. Did you have a crush on the younger sister, too? I had a crush on both. Yeah. A couple of hot che- cheerleader chicks. Yeah. It was nice. I learned, I learned a lot by watching that film. <laughs> I'll bet you did. <laughs> Chuck came of age to know the comet. I did. All right. So, uh, so now how do you fight him? Yeah. I mean, Chuck, let's say that um, Robert Smith, uh, his prediction comes true. And by the way, we should say their paper is called When Zombies Attack. And there's an exclamation point. Yeah. And Robert noticed, Smith, way, he's big on punctuation. You now include an exclamation point at the end of your name and your email signature. Don't think that slipped huh? past. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. Let's say we were getting attacked. Let's say Robert Smith uh, is is right on the money. What do we, what do we do? Uh, well, first of all, you want to go to a place if you're going to retreat. You want to retreat to a place that has plenty of supplies. Sure. Preferably one of those WalMarts. I don't know if they're still around or not. That also sells guns and ammunition. And groceries, yeah. The sure. superstore, yeah. Super center, the super death center, yeah. Um, you want one of those because you want to hole up in there. Mm-hmm. You can last as long as you need to. Yeah. There's probably communications equipment in there. And, again, you've got guns, hose, mm-hmm. machetes, anything. Blunt what would instruments. be your favorite weapon? I told you, a battle axe. Oh, that was yours? Yeah. You know, I've changed mine. What? Crossbow with those uh, ex- Rambo exploding arrows. That would be sweet. That would be awesome. Wow. I would like to kill them before they even get close to me. Yeah, I think it'd be unsettling to to be face to face. Yeah. So where are we? We're uh we're in the Walmart uh-huh. or <laughs> Costco or Target or wherever. Right. Sam's you know. Club. Sure. <laughs> and the zombies are attacking. Uh, you want to stay away from where there's people, so that would be a good place. Yeah, that was a really good point that Tracy made. That the the if you're in the midst of a zombie epidemic. Right. Just like any other epidemic, it's going to spread more quickly and, and have more casualties in a populated area. Yeah, if you live in Manhattan, you probably want to get the heck to Long Island, mm-hmm. I would say. Sure. Toot sweet. But as anyone who's seen 28 day- Days Later knows, you still want to be on your guard even out in the sticks. Yeah, the old uh, cottage in the in the marsh, that's not a good place to go either. No. Because uh-uh. they're going to be waiting for you yeah. in the movie version. Yeah, they are. Uh, you want to barricade everything so Michael Jackson and his cohorts can't get in. Nice. You like that? Yeah. Um, you never that's like actually that's that's more applicable than ever, Chuck. I know. <laughs> uh, you want to not back yourself into a corner because that's what we talked about. You always end up getting surrounded, and just like in Thriller, I believe she backed herself into a corner, literally. Yes, she did in that house, and, and they then, descended whoosh, upon like her. Like walls came, or hands came out of the wall. Yeah. She was in trouble. I don't know if I'd want to be inside at all, to come to think of it. I'd want to get my supplies and, like, go to the mountains. That's what I'd do. Yeah. And, like, get in a tent. <laughs> I don't know if a tent offers that much protection. You want to be able to barricade. Well, I would just want to be in the open so I could run. I would never want a wall around me anywhere. Yeah. That's just how I do it. That's how I party. Give us some more. <laughs> That's how you party with zombie death. Well, Tracy said, wait for rescue and make long-term preparations for your survival. I guess so, but what if you want to fight the zombies? I think you can do both at the same time. Hers was kind of a run and hide mentality. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Tracy would be good to have on your team. It'd be good to have somebody like us 
armed with battle axes, crossbows, pump action shotguns, but then have Tracy, you know, maybe behind the semicircle thinking about what we need to be doing a year from now. Mm, maybe. Mix it all together. Because you don't want just, you know, boneheaded, you know, thick mick rock skulls, <laughs> you know, Woody Harrelson. battling. You heard yes. about him? Zombie Land? Yeah, during the making of Zombie Land when he blamed, remember he attacked those photographers? Huh. He, he got all in trouble because he attacked some photographers and his excuse was that he was playing a zombie hunter in this movie that I think was actually shot in Atlanta called Zombie Land and he told the judge that he was so caught up in that character and so in character as a zombie hunter that he reacted too aggressively to the photographers. Wow. Who followed them around like zombies, I guess. That man is a pro, yeah. Yeah, he's a pro. Paparazzi. And then he went off and smoked a huge joint. And, uh, yes, he did. Got off uh, scot-free, probably. Probably. At Hopefully. least he didn't uh, play bongos naked or anything like that. Yeah. Who was that? McConaughey? Yeah. Nice. Didn't you hang out with him? Yeah. That's McConaughey. Actually, speaking of uh, Zombieland, I just saw today where um, the director of that film was going to have Patrick Swayze play a Swayze zombie, like as himself, come back from the dead, Swayze zombie. Uh, originally, it was written into the script, and this was before he got sick or anything. Oh, okay. So obviously, <laughs> it's like, that's pretty tasty. No, no, no. I mean, the movie's just coming out, so this is a while ago. And then he got sick. He contacted him and everything, and he had fallen ill and couldn't do it. And uh, I think he got some other big star to do it, and they're trying to keep that a secret or something. Who is it? I don't know. Dish. I tried to find out. I couldn't. Huh. When's it come out? I don't know. Soon. I saw the preview the other day, so it's soon. Okay. Um, Chuck, Basically, the, there's some pretty common sense things you want to avoid in a zombie attack. Like, don't lock yourself in a car that you don't have keys to. Um, we'll call these movie things. Because this is what always happens. Movie things? Yeah, in the movie. They get in and they don't have the key. And then you're thinking, why did you get in the car if you didn't have a key? Right. You don't want to leave any um, any uh, implements that a zombie could use as a weapon out for them to find and pick up. Yeah, because they can use basic weapons only. Do not give a weapon to an hysterical person. You have no idea what they're going to do, True. and at the very least, they're not going to use it properly. Yeah. And, and you'll end too. up really regretting that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other stuff, you know, like getting into an elevator in a building infested with zombies. <laughs> um, you don't want to go on a retreat to, like, a cellar or something without taking supplies with you. Sure. God knows how long you're going to be down there. Oh, I got one. How about you fight the sudden urge to make out with a zombie? Yeah. That'd probably be a good thing to do. Sure. That happened in uh, Night of the Living Dead, wasn't it? Oh, really? Yeah. The girl was like, Johnny. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that happens sometimes. Awesome. Um, Chuck, I, let me talk about one of my favorite <laughs> zombies. Okay. Uh, Reanimator. Did you yes. ever see it? Uh-huh. You know that was the Lovecraft story. Yeah. Based on a Lovecraft classic, story. classic film. Yeah. Um, and B movie. You remember the guy decapitates uh, either his mentor or the dean of the school. I can't remember. Yeah, Herbert can't remember West. Either. He decapitates him with the shovel, and he's like, "Awesome! I've got another specimen to to work on." Uh-huh. And he uses the serum to reanimate both the head and the body, which is highly unusual. Yeah. Because in most zombie films, once the head is detached from the body, that's it. Bye bye. But he was reanimating it after it was detached, so hence. That's how you break the rules. Ah, okay. You know? There were sequels to that, too, I think. There were. But do you know what's particularly unsettling about Reanimator? What? That there's actual research into that very stuff going on right now. Into human reanimation? Uh Uh-huh. Cool. Max Planck Institute. I was reading an article um, that was linked from a cracked uh, blog 
post. You love that website. I do. It's great. Um, and it was, it was, I think from 1999 or 2000. Uh-huh. And they're like, we're getting close, actually. We found out that, wow. you know, um, it's not cardiac arrest. It, it, your brain doesn't die as a result of cardiac arrest like we thought. Uh-huh. Instead, we destroy it when we try to reanimate it. So now we're trying to be a little more gentle. And actually, we've gotten a brain to kind of function after it's been dead for an hour. Wow. We didn't get the whole organism reanimated, but we're working on it. Right. And I just went, Bleh. And that was it. <laughs> well, it kind of makes sense. You know, the, like the, uh, what was it, Futurama that had the different heads in the jars and uh, they could mm-hmm. actually still talk and everything? Sure, yeah. I mean, from the neck down, it's really not a lot going on besides, you know, organ function and moving. If you could find a way to wire the, the brain up mm-hmm. and keep it from decaying, uh, you keep partying, man. Yeah, <laughs> keep on trucking. Well, uh, let's see. If you want to keep on trucking with zombies, you can go uh, read the article written by our esteemed colleague, Tracy Wilson, who knows a lot about zombies, probably more than she should know. It's a good one. You can type in zombies uh, in the handy search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, which means it's time for listener mail. Yes, the return of listener mail. Uh, Josh, we're going to call this listener mail from the dude in the band. Okay that you know about. Hey, yeah, Jerry. I like this guy. Uh, hey there, Chuck and Josh and Jerry. I'm writing on behalf of my band. We're an indie rock and roll band from Eagle Rock, Glendale, California, which is where I used to live. Uh, we've been lucky enough on our tour for a good chunk of the year to be on tour for a good chunk of the year, opening for bigger acts. While on tour, we constantly fight over who gets control of the CD player in the van. It gets nasty sometimes, and we frequently run in opposite directions to our trusty iPods. It's pathetic, five guys in a smelly van, each in our own little world, not talking, tired, and cranky. I quickly learned to resent touring, and the 45 minutes on stage wasn't worth the hours of driving and sleeping in dumpy motels and on couches. Hmm. So, they were not having a good run of it, sadly. I like this this, uh, exposition. Right, he's he's a good writer. Uh, Well, as we were headed back on the road, our old bassist sent us off with a spindle of Stuff You Should Know podcast burned to a CD. They were reluctant at first to throw it into the CD player, but find ourselves intrigued by how cannibalism works. It's probably a good That'll, one to start yeah, on. <laughs> for sure. That or Body Farms, I'd say, would be a good yeah. lead-in for indie rockers. Yeah. Uh, it was one of the first episodes we listened to. We were hooked after that. The iPods went away. The band started talking more in the van. Uh, the podcast ignited debates. We joked about our favorite lucid dreams, cringed at the image of a dog eating its owner's face, <laughs> Drooled at the thought of a banana cream Twinkie. Uh, I also panicked because my girlfriend recently dyed her hair red. So he just wanted to say thanks for bringing the spark back in their touring. They listened to 20 hours of the show driving through Kansas and Montana, and uh, we've been all around the country with them, and they burned another CD uh, for the next upcoming tour. Did you just have a stroke a second ago? I did. So, uh, they're playing here in Atlanta, actually, soon. It's the Henry Clay People, right? The Henry Clay People's the name of the band, and they are actually awesome. Yeah. And I, we I get bands. To them. You have their, uh, some it, of their music, right? Yeah, they're great. Uh, I like it a lot, and we get people that send in their band stuff sometimes, and it's not very good. Are we going to go? I'm going to go. I wrote him back, and he still has not responded, so maybe he's on tour and can't get to well, it. Put me down for a plus one, will you? Jerry, you going? All right. Yeah, we're going to be there at the Variety Playhouse in Atlanta, October 7th, rocking out to the Henry Clay people. Nice. Opening up for Airborne Toxic Event. Yeah. Which is a big tour for yeah. Henry Clay people. That's good for them. Yes. It's good rock and roll. Raucous. 
rock and roll. You know, it's funny is that's exactly what Chuck said in uh-huh. the email to me and Jerry when he's like, I like these guys. Raucous rock and roll. It's good. It's like good drinking music, like early stones or something. Right on. Let's go. October 7th. All right. Well, if you want to see if you can entice Chuck, Jerry, and I to come out to see whatever, or if we left out your favorite zombie movie, which we inevitably have, uh, you can send an email inviting us and or chastising us to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Want more How Stuff Works? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?